If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Last week we were in Ecclesiastes 3. We looked at a variety of things with the book of Ecclesiastes. We kind of had an intro and then also looking at the conclusion a little bit ahead. But we're going to really focus in on that conclusion here today with Ecclesiastes 12. King Solomon writes this book and he's experienced a lot of things in life. He's experienced some good things. He's experienced some not-so-good things. And he's tasted a lot of things. And he comes to the point, you see this throughout the book, he makes these really encouraging statements like, everything in life is meaningless. But he brings it all together at the end of chapter 12. We see his conclusion in regards to life. And so we'll walk through this book uh, here, this chapter here today, and we'll close out this book here today. Before we do that, though, I just want to encourage you to join me in prayer as we ask the Lord to bless this time and his word together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time that we spend here in the inspired word of God. And we look at the account that Solomon has given. He's tasted a lot of things in life, and he comes to a conclusion that's important for all of us to lean in and understand And I pray that your spirit would grace us, Lord, that there would be transformation taking place as we dig into the scriptures, that you would be shaping us more and more into the image of Christ as we lean in together to the word of God. Please bless this time. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Ecclesiastes 12 will be rolling through all 14 verses. He says, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. If you remember last week, we brought that forward with our graduating seniors. We emphasized that verse. Goes on to say, remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. And the caperberry no no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl Is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit 
will return to God who gave it. Concluding thoughts from the teacher. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. As we walk through this passage, there's basically three points I want to drive home as we walk through these sections. This first section is from verses 1 through 7. And Solomon talks about remembering God. He calls us to honor him before we grow old, to remember him before our eyes grow dim, before our legs begin to to tremble. Remember him before we lose our teeth, before our eyes see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities are closed and your hearing also begins to fade. Remember him. Remember him before your hair turns white. He's calling for us to recall him. Remember your creator now while you're young before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. It's important to remember the Lord throughout our life and Solomon essentially is saying the sooner, the better. And how quickly you and I, we can forget God. How much better things would be if we would go to him first rather than doing things our own way and our own wisdom and our own strength. We're forgetful people, aren't we? Sometimes we forget our phone. Have you ever had that happen before? And it feels like the whole world is upset. Our equilibrium's off. Where's my phone? We forget our keys. How many of you have ever done that one before? Hey, you get halfway to church and you realize you forgot something and you got to go back. You forget your wallet or your form of payment. Now I have a confession to make. I am the worst at that. Okay? There has been a few life experiences where God has humbled me. One time I remember being in Boone to visit my brother and sister Jim and Gina who are a part of this congregation. And Brady and I were down there in Boone and you know I thought you know it'd be kind of fun as if I took them out to eat. 
You know where this is going, don't you? So we went off and we had some barbecue or wherever we were at. I mean, it was good food. And, of course, the bill comes and I go to read and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I told them I would take them out for supper. And now I have to humble myself and say, um, guys, I don't have my wallet. You should try that sometime. Get some, <laughs> some free food and, you know. It, it works, and it's happened a few other times, I regret to say. But speaking of meals, do we forget to pray for our food? How many times do we get halfway through the meal or something, and we go, oh, we forgot to pray? Or maybe we get started right away, and we go, oh, we forgot to pray. We recognize God for his provision in our life, and that includes things that might seem as simple as food. We thank him for that. We forget to pray as a family, taking that time together. We forget to pray, period. Now, when things are going on in our life, again, I said we do things in our own strength. We forget to acknowledge the Lord first and foremost and ask for his help and his guidance and for his direction. We get so caught up in the busyness of life that it begins to crowd our attention. And before too long, we end up pushing God back from the forefront of our minds, and we forget him. That's why I entitled this message, Spiritual Amnesia. We have a tendency to forget about what God has done for us. And you know what is very helpful? To know that we are not alone. I think back through situations in the Bible where people forgot about God. One of the first things I thought of when I'm recalling people who forgot the Lord and his work in their life, I think about the Israelites forgetting God's rightful place in their hearts when they decided, let's build a golden calf while Moses is on top of Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments. And not too long before that, they had watched the plagues in Egypt. They watched God's finger on all of these things. They watched God part the Red Sea so that they could escape from Pharaoh and his army. And they watched the Red Sea come back and wash out the army. They experienced this exodus where God had led them out of slavery and into freedom. And then not too long after that whole process, they forgot. And they begin to worship some inanimate object, this golden calf. I also think about the fearless prophet Elijah forgetting God's power when he's hiding in a cave from Queen Jezebel and King Ahab. This man had watched fire fall from heaven and lick up this altar that had a, a, a bull and all kinds of water and a trench dug around it where water was and it had licked all this up and the stones that were all a part of it completely gone and it proved that his God was real and his life was on the line in front of Hundreds of false prophets. How many of you have seen fire fall from the sky and lick something completely up? Anybody? That's what I thought. If you have, then please, testimony time. Okay? 
But think about how real that moment was. And then moments later, he's cowered back in this cave. And at one point, he even tells God, just take my life. This fearless prophet forgot God. I also think of the disciples forgetting God. Did you know that Jesus fed the masses twice? You know, he did it the first time. Of course, they five loaves, two fish, feeding thousands of people. This is an incredible miracle. You see God doing the miraculous, providing in a miraculous way. His disciples are experiencing this. And then not too long later, they're with a crowd of people, and it's about time to eat. And then the disciples go, how in the world are we going to feed all of these people? And it's like, um, do you remember, not too long ago, Jesus fed a massive crowd. Even they forgot, and they were standing right there with Jesus. Standing right there with Jesus. You and I as believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we have the presence of Jesus. And you and I, we can stand in his presence, and yet we can still forget how powerful Jesus is. We can forget how faithful God is. How easily we can forget our creator. So point number one, Solomon encourages us to remember God. Point number two is Solomon then alludes to living wisely. This is a man that knew a few things about wisdom. He also knew a few things about being foolish. And I'll break that down here in a moment. But he says, keep this in mind, the teacher was considered wise. Well, here's why he was considered wise. When King Solomon became king, he asked the Lord for something. And it kind of blew God away. He was so impressed by this request. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom. And God was so blessed by that request. He's like, I am going to grant you that, Solomon. And I'm going to bless your socks off as a king. So Solomon asked God for wisdom, and God gave it to him. But there's something you need to catch here in the midst of this, because I said Solomon was also foolish, even though God granted him wisdom. So godly wisdom is godly knowledge applied in your life. And you can be wise for a season, but still have the capacity to go and make decisions that you think are wise in your own eyes. And so you make these decisions. You can walk with Christ for years and years, but there's still a temptation to do things in your own strength, in your own power, and you begin to do that. And, and then there's still the temptation and the lure of the things of this world, and we can chase after those things. And Solomon's warning us and saying, don't do that. I've done that. It was like chasing after the wind. And we can receive that today, and the temptation is still there to go chase after the wind. And so in the midst of this, we know that there are times in Solomon's life where he did not apply godly knowledge 
He did not have this wisdom operating in that. But you see kind of this coming around here for Solomon, coming to his senses, realizing that stuff I chased after did not have value. I know what has value. And to some degree, to taste all of these things, there's a certain point where maybe some of that lost its thrill and its frill. Maybe he even experienced some of the consequences of chasing after all of these things. And sometimes those consequences sting a little bit. But in the midst of that, there's also something that can sting a little bit. And the stinging is helping us to move from the wrong direction into the right direction. Cattle farmers, how do you get a cow to move from the wrong direction into the right direction? There's this little wand. and th- th- Right? And you encourage it. You kind of prod it along and you get it moving in the right direction. In verse 11, Solomon says the words of the wise are like cattle prods. They're painful but they're helpful. Goes on to say their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick. Youch. A nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. God's word can sting a little bit because it confronts our pride. It confronts our selfishness. It confronts the ways in which we think we should go. And God's word turns us in a different direction. And here's the beauty of this. God's word gets you moving in the right direction. And that process can be painful. And Solomon says, the words of the wise are like these things, but they're helpful. They're helpful. This process can sting because being a follower of Jesus and being a follower of his word means life is no longer about you. It's about him. The other thing to note is that if we are going in the right direction, things aren't as painful. If we are moving in the right direction, things aren't as painful. I'm not saying that you won't experience pain and life won't have as circumstances that are hard and difficult, but if you walk in God's direction and you walk in God's ways, there is a general blessing that you will be walking in and there will be a favor that's upon your life. And then when you do walk through circumstances that are difficult, that are tough, you have the help that comes from God. You're not working against him in the midst of those things. Then you see this statement in verse 8. I'm going to just kind of back up here as I'm walking through this particular section. But this common thing that Solomon keeps saying, it's all meaningless, completely meaningless. It's like vanity. It's like chasing after the wind going all in on all this stuff that the world has to offer. And that's where I think Solomon encourages us. It's important keeping perspective. As we go through the things of life, what should our perspective be? And Solomon gives us that here in verses 13 and 14. 
Let's start with 13. This was the verse for the week. You'll see it on the screen. It says, Now all has been heard, and here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Then it says, For this is the duty of all mankind. Shaney, I really appreciated the words that you said today. You didn't know what I was preaching about, but you talked a lot about the busyness of our schedules, right? And where is our focus? Where is our perspective? And you alluded to the fact that it's our livelihood. It is who we are to worship God. That is our duty. The reason why each one of us are breathing right now is to worship God, is to give God glory. That's why you've been created. The whole reason you're on this earth right now is to give God glory. And Solomon says this is the duty of all mankind. How do you give God glory? Well, first off, fear him, acknowledge who God is and have him a part of your life. And then as he's a part of your life, walk in his commandments. And as you're doing that, you'll be reflecting that glory and giving glory to God. But that just flies right in the face of what our world says. Our culture, our nation has spiritual amnesia. And you think of all the things that God has done for our country, all these things over the years, and then we just completely abandon his ways. We don't want to acknowledge him anymore. We want to do things that seem right in our own wisdom. Well, in the midst of that, know that verse 14 settles everything where it says that God will judge us for everything we do, for everything. So whatever we just said this last week, that's going to be judged. Our actions are going to be judged. It even says every secret thing. So when you were in the car alone, yeah, God saw that. Now. God sees everything, and he says he's going to judge everything, whether it's good or bad. Now, I talked about this last week, that we will all stand before our judge, and as believers in Christ, the judgment that we have coming is what's called the judgment seat of Christ, and we will be judged for the things that we have done with the gift of salvation. What have you done for the Lord? What have you done for the kingdom? And you will stand before Jesus Christ, the judge, and he will reward you for the things that you have done. And the judgment for sin for a believer takes place at salvation. When you receive Jesus Christ and and the covering of his blood over your life, the judgment for sin has taken place. Now, hear me in this. There are still consequences to sinful decisions. Even though I'm saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, there are still things that this world and Satan and this demonic army try to trip me up on, and I make poor decisions out of my flesh, and there's consequences for those decisions. But when I stand before my judge... 
he will judge. And he'll judge us for the good things we've done with the gift of salvation. As far as the bad things, you think of being judged for sin. Those who have not settled the sin issue by having Christ in their life, they will stand before the judge at what's called the great white throne judgment. And when you're standing before the judge at that moment, there is no second chances. The seriousness of standing before your creator. If you've forgotten your creator and you have walked in your own ways and you've lived life without Christ and you stand before the judge, God is not saying, now's the time to get it right before I decide whether to let you into heaven or not. That decision is settled in the right here and the right now as you live on this earth. What are you going to do with Jesus? When you're standing before him, it's too late. Do not forget him right now. Solomon's saying, don't push following God off. Don't, don't wait until you're older. In fact, he kind of starts this chapter by saying, the more you push this off, the more set in your ways you're going to be against God. So I have just a couple questions here kind of wrapping up this particular message. The first one is this, in the seriousness of standing before our judge, my question would be, are you ready to stand before him? And perhaps that question causes us to sober up and think about what it is we're doing with our lives. If we have received salvation, then how has that changed my life and the things that I do? And if I don't have Jesus right now, if he's not my Savior, then my question to you is, what are you waiting for? The Spirit of God is calling you into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants to set you free from sin. We should acknowledge him. And speaking of acknowledging God, I just close with this encouragement to, to all of us. Don't forget God. Don't let him land into the back of your mind. Let him be on the forefront of everything that we do. And we acknowledge him in all that we do. And I just want to close with a, a story. At uh, a few weeks ago, I was traveling home from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I was on Interstate 90, and I was going to stop in at Spencer on my way down through. So some of you might know the, the terrain here as I exit off of 90, and I'm north of Spirit Lake. And when you're driving alone, it's just time to think. And sometimes that's really helpful. It's really good. You're in reflection. And I am reflecting on a variety of things, things that are on my spirit, things uh, that are going on. And I just, I'm, I'm kind of in this space, if you will, of just reflection and considering all these things that are going on in life in general and, and, and in my life specifically and things in the church, all of that, and just reflecting. 
And as I'm reflecting, this song comes over my truck. And the song is entitled, He Won't. And it's written by Cody Carnes. And here's the lyrics of this song, He Won't. It says, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? And then his response in this song is, he won't. He won't. And so I'm just encouraged by this as I'm driving down the road. And as I'm driving off on the side, now I know last week I talked about uh, in Ecclesiastes 3, a time to gather stones, right? Okay, so some farmer had gone through his field over the years, picked up these big old field rocks. Instead of hauling them to some other place, he just set them in the ditch on the edge of his field. And we're talking probably years of this. And so over time, there's this now stack of stones that's right there in the ditch as you're driving south into Spirit Lake. And so as I'm hearing this song and I'm reflecting on the things of life, the things that are on my heart, and I'm considering these words, he's faithful through generations, and then as I'm driving highway speeds, I look over and there's this pile of rocks, and instantly I'm taken back to the things they would do in the Old Testament. If we're going to remember God, they said, let's take some stones and let's pile them up. And we can then recall, look what God did in our life. It would be good for us to remember that so we don't forget God's faithfulness. So I just happened to be driving by at just the right time when this song is playing and those words are being spoken. I look over and there's this pile of rocks What a coincidence. I see that as divine guidance. In fact, as I drive by and you're thinking through all of that, I'm like, wow, a pile of rocks. That is so cool. I do a Yui, and I come back, and I whip over on the side of the road, and I'm standing in the ditch taking a picture of this pile of rocks. And there's probably cars driving by, I'm like, What is that guy doing? It's just a pile of rocks. Remembering God and his faithfulness is a big deal. We would do well to recall, to remember, so that spiritual amnesia does not set in in our life. God is faithful. And the God that I know And his provision, he is in time, he is on time, every time. That is the God that I know. And he is faithful through every generation. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I thank you for this time in your word. Lord, you encourage us to remember you and the things that you have done for our lives. Lord, when we're not faithful, you still are. That is your grace at work. 
And Lord, there might be circumstances we walk through that are very difficult because of the curse of sin. And Satan would want us to question God's faithfulness, especially when we walk through hard times. But it's in those moments that we must consider the ways in which you have been at work in our lives over the years and in the lives of others. Your word says you never leave us nor forsake us. That you are a God who is faithful. You are a God who is good. And we remember that fact. Lord, help us to live wisely, to apply godly knowledge in our life. Not to just be listeners of the word, but doers of the word. Help us to consider the perspectives of life with the most important thing being fearing you and obeying your commands. For this is why we've been created, to worship you, to honor you, and to glorify you. Father, for everyone listening right now, there might be somebody that they consider their life and whether or not Jesus Christ is a part of their life. And as they reflect on it, as they consider that, Lord, they know something's not right and they need to make it right today by putting their faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin and to receive Christ into their life and the purpose that God has for them in his kingdom. And whoever that might be, if you're listening right now and you desire to receive Christ, I encourage you to pray with me right now in your heart and just simply say, Jesus, I need you. And so today I'm asking for forgiveness of my sin, that you would cleanse me and make me new. I want you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. You call the shots. Help me to live my life for your honor and for your glory. And I thank you for this gift of salvation. Lord, I'm so grateful that you are a God who is faithful. And I pray that you would cause all of us to never forget our creator. In Jesus' name, 